Hello everybody and welcome to the challenge flag where we call BS on fantasy football so-called experts. I'm Zachary Dorfman joined by Michael Conti. What is up my fellow fantasy addicts? And we have a great show for you today even though we will be talking about football's most vanilla position. Because let's be honest, nobody really likes talking about tight ends and I'm not just saying that. Uh, this was probably the hardest episode for us to uh, to really find all the information for because a lot of the experts don't spend a lot of time talking about tight ends. So for this episode, uh, we're not going to be able to do disparities like we normally do because there wasn't really many disparities in the rankings. It seems that experts feel like you and I do when it comes to tight ends. And it's like, well, besides the top few guys, the rest are not really important. So for this episode, our layout's going to be, we're going to get back to talking about good and bad articles. Uh, That is something that's going to be consistent from now on. It only wasn't in the wide receiver episodes because we did have a lot to talk about, but we're going to have plenty of time to discuss some articles to point you in the right direction before fantasy drafting season approaches because it is fast approaching us. Uh, After that, we are going to uh, talk about some tight ends that we are high and low on. All right, so it's not going to be disparities. A lot of the experts uh, pretty much agree all across the board. Uh, You know, if you take a look at any ADP sheet, it's going to be pretty accurate. Uh, However, there are some guys, uh, maybe like one or two guys that we would like to move around a little bit. So Mike and I are going to talk about that. Before we get into it, make sure that you give us a follow on Twitter at flag underscore challenge. Check out our Podbean channel at thechallengeflagofficial.podbean.com. You can even go directly to iTunes to listen to us. Just search the challenge flag. Our YouTube channel is starting to get some more views. So thank you to those who are checking out our YouTube. Just search the challenge flag. Um, Go by channel and you'll see us right on the top there. And if you want to uh, listen to our podcast, but also read some articles that we will be writing, you can go to thefsgn.com. That's the Fantasy Sports Gaming Network's website. You can find an article written by us about uh, top you know, websites to visit, top podcasts to listen to, even YouTubers to help you before draft day. So, Michael... Tell, Articles. Yeah, do you want to do, do your good article first or your bad article? I'm going to go with my good article. Let's start this off on a positive note. Although the article is not a positive one, it was posted by Fantasy Pros. Do not draft lists for tight ends in the 2018 season. Um, in this article, he hit on four t- tight ends, two of which we'll hit on today. So I won't really say what he had to say about it. But two uh, tight ends that he touched on that we won't particularly be speaking about today are Jordan Reed and Evan Ingram. As far as Jordan Reed being someone on the do not draft list, the uh, author basically said that uh, four out of his five seasons, he has averaged double digit fantasy points, which is definitely an allure for you to want to draft him, but he's only played in 65% of his career games and 65% over the typical 13, 14 game season is 
uh, like what seven or eight, eight or nine games yeah through a whole year and that's not something that i would be wasting an eighth round pick on which is what jordan reed's adp is so that's what i had to say about jordan reed just you know he's not really worth his adp value because of the amount of games he's missed although he has huge value you never know he could get injured and you could draft him preseason week two he could play preseason week three and have a season ending injury he's just that type of guy that's been injury prone his whole career and now on to Evan Ingram. We, we've touched on this before with too many cooks in the kitchen, but the author doesn't think he's worth his ADP in the sixth round because there'll be a healthy Sterling Shepard and Odell Beckham Jr. And also now with Barkley working in the backfield, he will be getting involved with those targets from Eli. And last year he had a whopping 115 targets. And we all know that that was due to uh, everybody being injured, Odell, Brandon Marshall. And with those 115 targets, he only had a 55% catch rate. So if you correlate that 55% catch rate down to a realistic target rate, I'd say like dropping down to like the 70s or 80s with Odell back and uh, Shepard healthy, you don't want that type of catch rate out of your tight end. But the decreased targets plus that percentage of catch rate, that's not going to pan well for his numbers on the season, leading to a, a much less productive year. Yeah, definitely. I I could totally get behind the Evan Ingram uh, Evan Ingram regression yeah. here, but I didn't know about. I I totally expected his targets to go down, but I didn't realize his catch rate was so bad. And that's why. So you if you're do catching research. half your balls on eighty on eighty targets, that's that's like a four hundred yard year on looking on the plus side. Yeah, so. yeah, and that's that's definitely not worth a uh, sixth pick in the sixth round. Exactly. <laughs> no way. No way. And, you know, uh, with tight ends, too, like, this is such a great article to check out. Again, it's the Do Not Draft list um, for 2018 fantasy football on fantasypros.com. Like, it's it's so great because there's just not much analysis that goes into the tight end position. Uh, and so for a guy to really be kind of, like, diving deep into giving you guys to shy away from, I think it's awesome that he put out that uh, that product. Yeah, he gave great reasons like as to why. Some people are just like, oh, he's going to lose targets, but he's losing targets and he was only catching half the balls thrown to him. Yeah. <laughs> so less targets, only catching half of them. That's not, that's nope. not something I wouldn't be wasting a six-round pick on. No bueno. No bueno. All right, my good article is written by Nick Zylak from the fantasyfootballadvice.com. It's called... Should you draft a handcuff in fantasy football? I'm going back. I feel like every week since we talked about the running backs, I've gone back to the running back episode because so many people that we talk to try to argue with me about handcuffs. A lot of people don't agree with me, but I think that Nick really summarized it well in his article. I'm going to just read you like a little blurb from it. He says, why if we're only allowed to draft six to seven running backs, would we not set ourselves up for as many opportunities as possible? When you draft a handcuff, you are essentially saying that you are okay with having one unstartable player on your roster each week. And I don't know about you, but typically every time I draft, I'm trying to, you know, like he said, you know, you want to maximize opportunities and I don't want to waste a roster spot. I don't feel like my bench players are just bench players. I want my bench players to outperform their ADP and prove that they can be starters. And with only so many picks and so many bench spots, I'm not wasting it on a guy that can go 16 games without seeing a, a starter's workload. So I thought that like he brought he brings in you know reasons for opportunity and he talks about 
Um, you know, he talks about uh, handcuffs in the past. So that's a great article uh, to check out. If you're someone who a needs an argument for you, you don't like handcuffs like me and you need an argument as uh, something to point to, or if you do like handcuffs, please, before this draft, go read this article. You know, if you still set on it, fine. I understand. But read this article. You might change your mind. I think that it's a good article, um, but there's two. I think there's two types of handcuffs. There's the handcuff where you draft your number one pick as a running back, and you want his handcuff in case he goes down. And then there's the handcuff where you handcuff the whole Packers backfield because you don't know who's going to end up being the guy, but whoever does be the guy, mm-hmm. he's going to be a stud. So you just want to sure up you have that guy before it's decided. Yeah, and and I think the uh, I like. I'm not really sure which one I like more. I don't like either one of them, but like <laughs> I kind of like the the Packers. Well, yeah. Oh, definitely. Because yeah, you I, can wind up with that guy, not just and then once the one guy's decided, you can just drop the other ones. Yeah. Well, like you said, yeah, you drop the other ones and now you have your starter. But if we're specifically talking about the Packers, their ADPs are not very high, so you can kind of get oh, exactly, them. Yeah. You can get them late, and but. But I think that, like, again, you know, there's three guys there. You got Jamal Williams, you got Ty Montgomery, you got Aaron Jones. So that's three picks. That's three picks if you're really tr- if you're really trying to guarantee. Now, for me, I would rather take a shot on three other random guys, maybe hit on two. Like, I think that you're minimizing potential if you yeah. do that. But but you're right. Like, yeah, there are multiple ways to go with handcuffs. Some are better than others. For me, I'm I'm not thinking about it. I'm just uh, I'm not thinking about getting a handcuff. I'm I'm just going to my draft, drafting the guy that I think is going to be best. I'm not thinking about it, but should the opportunity arise where it's a type of guy where, like a Dalvin Cook, you don't know how he's going to come back. I could understand you wanting to take Latavius. Mm-hmm. It, it's purely dep- I mean, nobody knows how the draft's going to go, so yeah, I don't completely rule it out, is what I'm saying. But it's definitely not something I plan on doing going into a draft. Well, and Latavius Murray could be like your last round pick if you really exactly. if you really wanted to, like just just in case you're really really worried. Yeah. yeah. Mm, well, now we covered some good articles. Let's get to a, an awful one. Oh, oh, awful. <laughs> <laughs> this is players who will be league winners in 2018. This was on uh, FantasyPros.com. So this guy basically said that last year, if you owned DeAndre Hopkins, Todd Gurley, or Alvin Kamara, that they won you the league. So if you own one of those three guys, odds are you won the league or did very well in your league, which but, I would have to agree with. But Mike, what, what's wrong with that? That sounds pretty pretty okay, right? <laughs> it, it does. I completely – I was like, yeah, you know, of my three leagues, two of the champions owned Todd Gurley, and my third league, the guy had Hopkins. I was like, so this guy's spot on. I guess I, I'll use this as my good article. But – this year's three players who he plans to be these three players' replacements are Stefan Diggs, Darius Geis, and Aaron Jones. While I agree that Diggs can have an explosive upside to help you win a league, especially at his ADP, Geis will be a new starter in an offense that was 28th in rushing last year, and I can still see Thompson cutting into a lot of those third down and receiving works, so I can't see him. Darius, just picture Darius Geis putting up Todd Gurley or Alvin Kamara numbers in that backfield sharing work with Chris Thompson. That doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. On top of that, another fantasy football pro article that was put out. So I talked about do not draft tight ends. A do not draft RB list was put out on fantasy pros. And on that list was Darius guys. So we got guys working same company. They're working together. I would assume at some point 
and they have these two completely conflicting views. One guy thinks Darius Geis is going to win you the league hands down. The other guy saying, I wouldn't touch this guy with a 10 foot pole. So I just, I found that interesting when I saw that article as well. And that's why it's like so important to be doing this Do research. research. Yeah. One article and be like, who is it? Um, Josh Norman says that he's glad the Redskins have Darius Geis instead of Saquon Barkley. Like, oh yeah, I guess I should go take Darius Geis now, seventh overall, because Josh Norman said that. Like, exactly. Now. <laughs> yeah, and it's important to note, like you like you found that even on the same websites, like different experts are gonna report different things. So you can't just even stay on one site and just listen listen to them because you're gonna get so many varying pieces. Like you gotta you gotta branch out. So I that's yeah, that's a good find. And uh, last on this list was Aaron Jones, who did have some big games last year. But Aaron Rodgers and Ty Montgomery are now back and healthy. So with them back and healthy, you can't expect the Packers to be going into these games with the same type of script that would produce Aaron Jones points like he put up last year. And now he'll be losing touches potentially to Jamal Williams and Ty Montgomery. And it's definitely not helping that uh, Aaron Jones will be suspended for two games. So this guy thinks that Aaron Jones will help you win the league. But... I'm not really sure what point he was trying to get at there. Maybe he's assuming that you've already drafted a stellar team and you're going to get a steal at Aaron Jones late and he'll just be like a nice flex play. But when comparing him to Gurley or Kamara, I realistically, I just don't see that that happening. Yeah, and that's where I think he's crazy. Like, I totally agree with you. Like, like okay, if he just said in the article, these are three guys that I think could win your league. Like, I think Diggs has great upside. I think Geis has great upside. Aaron Jones, I'm the I'm the lowest of the three on, but he could definitely have some upside where at their ADP, yes, could win you your league because you didn't have to spend a lot on them. But for him to mention DeAndre Gurley, Camara, and then those three names as if they're going to produce similarly, that is to me is just absolutely absurd. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I looked at it as like Diggs and DeAndre are kind of the same ADP, but Gurley was like 20 last year and Geis and Geis, I think is like a fifth round and then Jones is like an eighth round. I know Kamara went undrafted in most leagues. Yeah. So you can't really predict who that third guy is going to be this year without just sounding awful. But I think, I mean, if you should, if you could have said like David Johnson will be that guy, because right now he's like the three, four ADP, but I could definitely see him being the number one running back this year. I agree. All right. For my bad article, and this is more of a waste of time article. This is me trying to save you some time. If you come across this article and think, wow, I'm going to use this to inform myself. Don't even waste your time. Move on. This is... Five wide receivers that could lose targets in 2018. This is on the Fantasy Footballers website, and it's written by Eric Ludwig. Now, I think that that topic is interesting, right? Five wide receivers that could lose targets in 2018. Like, that's something that you want to know. Opportunity is important for wide receivers to succeed. But here's his list. DeAndre Hopkins. He lists, He's had 174 targets in 2017. Yeah, I can see him getting a little bit less. And Eric Ludwig in the article projects him at 162. You go into this article thinking like, oh, this is going to be guys that uh, that he thinks it's are going to get. huge drop off. Yeah, like something significant. And he puts him back to down 12 targets to 162. That's a great year. Like, wh- <laughs> why do I need to know that? I don't need to know that. Like, exactly. that, that's fine. Like, just don't tell me that. Like, that's tw- it's only 12 less. Then he brings up Jarvis Landry. He had 161 targets last year. 
you don't need to tell me that Jarvis Landry moving to the Browns with Josh Gordon is going to get, and with Tyrod Taylor throwing, is going to get less targets. We don't even need to spend time on that. He projects him at 105. Fine. I like that better than the DeAndre Hopkins one because it was just not even a drastic drop off. But to me, it's like not even worth mentioning. We all know it. It's just common knowledge. Larry Fitzgerald. The same as DeAndre Hopkins. He had 161 targets last year. He projects him at 150. I'm still drafting Larry Fitzgerald. (laughs) 150 targets is fine. Adam Thielen. He had 143 targets last year. Mike, what do you think his reasoning was for Adam Thielen getting less targets? Probably because Stefan Diggs is not going to get injured this year and give Adam Thielen two games all to himself. Yes, that's pretty much all he said. (laughs) It was that. It was Dalvin Cook. You didn't even need to think about that. You just spit it off the top of your head. Like, what a waste of time. And then the last one, my favorite one, Brandon LaFell. He mentions that he had 89 (laughs) targets last year. He was just released by the Bengals. That's how you get less targets. You're too bad to be on a team. Yes, and like... He mentions all the top wide receivers in the NFL, and then just his last guy is just Brandon LaFell. Like, get out of here. What a waste of time. You didn't need to read this article to know any of this. You don't come out of it any smarter. Do not waste your time with this article. All right, so let's move into our highs and lows of tight ends. This is not going to be like the disparities, as I mentioned earlier. These are going to be guys that Mike and I are uh, high on, and we think that are they could finish, you know, um, we just we just like them either at their ADP or could finish higher than their ADP, um, and then guys that we're low on that we are just avoiding altogether. So, Mike, start us off. Give me something that you're high on. I am high on my boy, Greg Olson. Oh, yeah. ADP, sixth round, fifth overall tight end. Before we get into Greg Olson, it still baffled me that the Bears ever traded him for a third round pick to the Panthers. But that's old news. Last year, down year, obviously, he was injured most of the year, but he is a proven veteran. The three seasons prior to him getting injured last year, he put up 1,000 plus yards, 125 plus targets, and 75 plus receptions. So that's that's something that I could definitely see him repeating this coming season should he stay healthy. Of all the receivers on the Panthers, he has the most experience with uh, Cam Newton, and I could definitely see that going a long way this year. He's not the type of tight end that's going to get you touchdowns, but I definitely think he has a safe floor of like 10 points a week. And when those touchdowns do come, it'll be the icing on the cake. So an ADP of six round is great value as a top five tight end is almost a necessity to win a league. And with your first five picks, you can sure up your running back and wide receiver. And do you think that he can finish above tight end five even? Well, who's who's tight end four? Jimmy Graham? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But yeah, I just, I definitely see him being a very, very safe four to five targets, 50 to 60 yards every week. Like that should not be an issue for him. And like I said, when he gets, when he gets a touchdown, that's just the ice. Oh, he put up 16 for me this week. He got me a 20 point week. Those are definitely out there to happen. He can get those just the weeks he gets a touchdown, that bumps his floor right up. And I definitely think he has a very safe 10-point floor because he is he will be the safety cushion. He's the third down guy. He's going to help get it done over there. I even think that he's got a high ceiling. I mean, I think that 
I think that he's a guy who falls into that recency bias where he was injured last season and the few of the games that he played before he was injured, after he was injured. I mean, he did have one monster game after he was injured, but like mostly he was just blah and like he really didn't put up uh, too many points. Uh, and I think that a lot of people are just going to write it off as he's old. And I think that if you fall into that recency bias, you could miss out on a guy that has the potential to finish with the Ertz and the Kelsey's. Notice how I didn't say Gronk, but <laughs> but like if he finished as tight end two, I would not say to myself like that's at a left field. I think that Greg Olson, like you said, three consecutive years before that, thousand yards, hundred twenty plus targets, seventy five plus receptions. I mean, that's great wide receiver numbers, and to get that from your tight end, I mean, like that's a that's a no brainer. That's like a, that's an average like twelve points a week. If you if you throw the touchdowns in there too, so I mean, I gave him a ten point save floor, but like career wise, it's it's more like eleven or twelve. Yeah, and a ten. I mean, when I look at a tight end, I want a guy to give me like eight or nine minimum. Like when I'm streaming a tight end, I'm just hoping to get a nice double digit out of him. Yeah, and the fact that he provides that week in week out, it's it's so safe. And even if like let's just say this is the year that his age just catches up to him and you know he just can't come back from that injury fine it's not like you drafted him as the first tight end or the second tight end and your whole season's over do what you did and just go stream the tight end position so yeah you know he's a guy that you can take a risk on like even with the injury it's like it's pretty it's like the safest risk that you can do he's not jordan reed he's a way safer risk (laughs) (laughs) if he's even a risk yeah, if he's even a risk. Who are you high on? Well, my guy is definitely doesn't have the rapport that Greg Olson has. My guy is, um, it's not really a surprise, a lot of people are high on him this offseason, and that's Trey Burton. ADP, 8th round, 3rd pick, ninth tight end off the board. So, I know my league, and I know that my league does not take tight ends early. So when I see ninth tight end off the board, even though his ADP is third pick of the eighth round, I'm saying to myself, I know for a fact in my in like my one like main league, I can get him in like maybe the 10th, 11th round. I know that for a fact. And here's why I like especially that um, for Trey Burton. Um, behind Robinson, he's the he's definitely I, I think the best target on that Bears team. Uh, he's always been productive with his targets, so he hasn't had many. Um, he hasn't had many receptions. He was always playing second fiddle to somebody else. Uh, last season, with only 23 receptions, he had five touchdowns. He caught a touchdown pretty much one out of every four receptions. He's going to be used as a red zone monster. He also has talent up the middle. Like Zach, He was very similar to Zach Ertz last year. This is going to be a team that's going to throw a lot. I think Mitch Trubisky is going to find that over the middle. He's going to have his tight end open a lot. He's athletic. He's big. He's just, to me, he's the whole package, and he's a guy who just hasn't had the opportunity. And yes... You know, it's very different from Greg Olson, where we're not saying that he did it before, so we're projecting him to do it again. We're saying he's never done it before, but his opportunity is just way too good not to love. And I think that if you're going to go into a draft with a strategy of like, look, you know, he's the ninth tight end off the board. If I'm going to let eight other people pick their tight end first, 
I'm fine with that. And I'm fine taking Trey Burton. I think that he can finish as a top five guy. Absolutely. I think I stated in the wide receiver episode enough. But yeah. I specifically <laughs> said, I told my one buddy, Trey Burton gets traded. I will draft him no matter where he gets traded unless he's, unless he's traded to the Bears. And that's where he wound up. And that's the whole Trubisky thing. But, you know, when you think when I think of more in depth about it, yes, I think Trubisky is an awful quarterback. But who do awful quarterbacks throw to? They're tight end. Yes. Trey Burton. Top five, I think, is going to be a stretch. I definitely I think he's a hugely talented tight end. I just think getting the ball to him will be a problem. Not going to be a lack of targets, but just the accuracy of those targets. All right. I mean, hey, look, we'll see. And your your concerns are valid, but I yes. uh, we'll, which is uncommon. We'll monitor, <laughs> which is uncommon. <laughs> like we'll we'll definitely monitor. We'll, we're going to bring this up a lot during the season. Zach will because, let me hear it throughout the season. Oh, Traper and starts putting up fifteen a week, and Trubisky's hitting him in stride. Absolutely, I'll be right on top of it. I'll just send you send you texts during the game. Hey, did you see that catch? Every actually every reception he makes, you will get it. You will get it. Every text. completed pass by Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs> so I'll be getting about ten texts on Sunday saying Trubisky. Oh, <laughs> oh, or sixteen it. if he matches last year. <sighs> Shots fired. <laughs> okay, I can't. I can't argue with that. <laughs> Speaking of bad football play, Mike. Who I? You know what's weird? I'm I'm like way more excited to talk about the low than I am the I know high. You are. Because I, I think that a lot of people are high on the two guys that we're high on. But the guys that we're low on, I just I just want to ruin I just want to ruin people's spirits. But you, here's the thing. Yeah. You said you said speaking of bad, we're not talking of bad. These tight ends are hugely talented tight ends and they've proven that they're talented, but this year we just don't think they're worth their ADP. True. Thank you for the correction. That's right. Actually, <laughs> these two guys are great football players. But I aspire to be as good as them at anything in life. <laughs> My guy who I'm low on is Jack Doyle. Jack Doyle. Jack Doyle. ADP, 11th round, third pick, 12th overall tight end off the board. So technically, he's a tight end one. He's the lowest value tight end one in our 12-man leagues. It's a great value. Let's be honest. I mean, if you can get a tight end one in the 11th round, great value. But I don't think he's going to he's gonna be a tight end one come the end of the season. After talking uh, my one league, my 12-man league, speaking with a couple league members, some of them are still very high on Jack Doyle, his uh, potential for this upcoming year, especially at his ADP. And I definitely think he's an 11th round value. But... As Jonathan explained last episode on the wide receiver episode, those later round picks are very hit or miss. But I think people's expectations are very high for him this year, especially with Luck coming back. Um, along with Luck being back this year, the Colts signed Eric Ebron in the offseason. And the last time Doyle shared tight end work with another reputable tight end in uh, Dwayne Allen, those two basically put up very similar numbers with Jack Doyle posting 59 receptions, 580 yards, and five touchdowns, and Dwayne Allen putting up 406 yards, 35 catches, and six touchdowns. And the only reason why I'm really low on Doyle is that I have a similar mindset for tight end as I do for running back, and that's that I want my tight end to be the tight end. I don't want to have to worry about him losing work to another tight end or possibly being phased out in a game plan in favor of the other tight end. So my, my perfect example is just when he played with Dwayne Allen. 
there were games where Jack Doyle got one or two targets and Dwayne Allen had a two touchdown game. And you start Jack Doyle hoping hoping to just get his floor and you get nothing and the other guy shows up and he puts up a nice double digit 20 point game. That's not something that I want to have to hope doesn't happen throughout the season. I would almost rather stream a tight end who I know is the only guy than start one like Jack Doyle just because he has the potential to be completely phased out. If I could if I could just go start like a Jared Cook in Oakland, I would almost rather stream him and draft him with a 15th round pick to start off the year just because I know that he is the tight end. No other tight ends are going to be getting the ball but him. Well, it is interesting because you never you never think with the tight end position like you typically think like teams have one and you know it's it's kind of like when you have to analyze running backs a little bit where you know you got your guy but you're worried about someone taking away those third down touches and how that's going to eat into their production and like it's it's a shame because Jack Doyle is great like why they went and got the trash heap that is Eric Ebron. Eric Ebron my is, mind. I feel like he's drafted every year and every year I'm like, oh, that's a good pick. You know, Eric Ebron, for some reason in my mind, <laughs> I'm not going to go back and look at his stats, but I just feel like he's never that good. No, it don't like, even whoever bother. Whoever has him starts him for four weeks and then they cut him. And every week when I'm, I usually stream, I'm just like, oh, Eric Ebron, you know, and I look at his weekly stats and I'm like, why do I think this guy's good? What has he done? Did I just have a dream that he had like a great season and that dream has stuck with me forever? I just think that people think that Matt Stafford throws a lot and he's the only tight end on that team. Therefore, he should get a lot of catches. And I feel One like would think. <laughs> I feel like Eric Ebron's ceiling is like 10, 10 points, like his ceiling. Like, I'm not sure I've ever seen him have like a 20 point game. Like it, It's just it boggles my mind. But the problem is, like you said, like. What if he's just phased out for a game plan and you draft Jack Doyle thinking, oh, Eric Ebron is trash. He's nothing. Jack Doyle, you know, Andrew Luck's going to be healthy. He's going to be great. And, you know, he was great in 2016, but he had six touchdowns, 400 yards taken away from him because of Dwayne Allen. And you don't want that to happen again. See, if you have just the tight end one, those all go to Jack Doyle, giving him a thousand yard year and double digit touchdowns. Yeah. So I'd rather bank on that on somebody than... Look, Eric Ebron gets like... Something happens before the season, like we could absolutely change this and I think we'll both be on the same page that like he would greatly move up the rankings. But it just stinks that we gotta gotta talk about Jack Doyle like this. It hurts. (laughs) It does. I mean, last year I was happy for, for Jonathan. He had him last year and I was like, man, he just... This Jack Doyle guy's panning out. I'd love to try to attempt to make a trade with him, but I know that's not going to happen. And it's just like, I used to deem myself the tight end guru. And I was just all about taking a very light tight end and they just panned out every single year. Last year, my guy was Austin Hooper. He had the huge 20 point game to start the year and then the rest of the year, maybe a big game here or there. So I've I've taken off that crown of tight end guru just because of how bad of a bust that was last year. And because I took Jordan Reed in the fifth round. <laughs> but, you know, you can't, you, with Jordan Reed, you can't predict. Yeah, that was the first time anything. I drafted a tight end early. And uh, well, that was all on You Zach. drafted the riskiest tight end. I said, hey, Zach, who should I take? And he said, who's on the board? And I said, Jordan Reed's there. And he said, dude, take Jordan Reed. And you know who I didn't take with that pick? Mark Ingram, who I wanted to take. 
Well, look, this is why <laughs> this is this is, this a, is why I do a podcast with him, so I don't have to be obligated to listen to his fantasy advice during the season. We just talk <laughs> about it now. <laughs> we can't stress the importance enough of making your own decisions. Yes, because... so you only have yourself to blame, and you can't guilt your friends into you taking Brandon Cooks over Doug Baldwin, even though they finished almost exactly the same. And and let me tell you, this year. Uh, like I think that for me and my predictions, honestly, I think I'm I was one year off. I am so high on the people that I had last year that didn't pan out. I think Amari Cooper is going to have a bounce back year. Greg Olson's going to have a good year. Jordan Reed's going to have a good year. He says he's feel better than like he's ever had before. Isaiah Crowell is going to have a good year. Just one year too late. Uh, AJ Green is gonna have a bounce back here. I think they're gonna they're just gonna be like, look, Andy Dalton, you need to get it together. I like. Well, it's because LaFell's uh, not gonna get as many targets, so they're gonna go to AJ Green. Oh, oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> we should go listen to that article. That's Thank you very, for that article. Oh, very, very important. Very important to know. <laughs> yeah, it's just like sometimes with fantasy football, you do all the research, and there's like ten reasons why someone's gonna be good, and one why they might not be. And that one why they might not be is the thing that like pans out and comes to fruition. Jordan Reed might get injured, and he did. And well, that's that's Jordan Reed's thing every year, right? There are yeah. a million reasons why he could be the absolute best tight end in the league. And yeah, I'm calling you out, Gronk. And <laughs> it's just that one like little nugget of truth of hey, what happens when he you know just breaks in week one? And it's like oh yeah, that's true. So it's you gotta. You got to, you know, be be high on the guys that you like. You know, you do your research you, so that way when when a guy doesn't pan out, it's not that you just took a chance on a random guy and you're like, you feel stupid. You're like, why did I do that? It's, hey, you had all the reason to do it. It's just that there was those one or two things that were going against them that ended up kind of overshadowing the positive. So make sure that you do the research for you so that you're not yeah. sitting there feeling stupid. Exactly. But th- that's not me. That's not me calling you out. That's me saying that. That's me saying like. Oh, no, I know. Like, I totally like, understand. That's like how you I don't, like, don't want to be in person. your draft blaming somebody else. You want to you <laughs> would you would rather just be like be like, man, like I, I wish that I like you. You don't want to sit there with a whole season of being like, well, if I pick the team, I would be doing great. But I listen <laughs> to someone else. You know, you uh, believe in yourself. Have faith. Yeah. But listen to me, Mike. You should listen to me. <laughs> Have faith in yourself, but listen to me. On to my low. Uh, all right, so I got I to gotta feng shui this one. I'm so excited to talk about it. The guy that I am low on this year is Jimmy Graham. ADP, fourth pick of the fifth round. Fourth tight end off the board, average draft position. It's Gronk and Kelsey and Ertz, and then there's your boy, Jimmy Graham. Here is why I'm low on him, and for me, I'm not even touching him. Like, if he, if I'm in like a round or two later and he's still on the board, I'm taking Greg Olson instead. I'm not even touching him. Here's why. After his knee injury, he is not the receiver that he used to be. Period. End of story. Don't sit here and try to pretend yourself. He is not that threat that Drew Brees had um, in New Orleans. So what kind of tight end is he now? He is a touchdown-dependent red zone guy. He had 10 touchdowns last year. You know, as you expect, he's a big guy. He transitioned to just being a big guy. Still only finished tight end six. Think about that. 
10 touchdowns, still only the tight end six. Everybody's excited about him being in Green Bay. Oh, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers. But we all know, and it, and I feel like a lot of people are not wanting to th- see the truth, is that tight ends don't succeed in Green Bay. Jimmy Graham doesn't have that vertical game that he used to. He's going to be a red zone guy. And who is he going to a team with? He's going to a team with the wide receiver that has 22 touchdowns over the last two years. Don't sit there and tell me that you are excited about Jimmy Graham. Oh, he's going to get so many touchdowns in Green Bay. Devontae Adams has been the red zone guy. And that's it. I think that... I think that you gotta, I think that some people like have to be a little bit more realistic about Jimmy Graham's ceiling here. And that it's, you know, when you're projecting him as the tight end four, you're projecting him two tight end spots above what he finished last year. And he had 10 touchdowns last year. He's not, he's, like I said, he's not the, the receiver he used to be. So I don't see him getting many more receptions or yards. But even if he does, he's not getting more than 10 touchdowns with Devontae Adams there on that team. I, I don't see it happening. If he gets, like, if he gets six or seven, fine. I think that's realistic. He's a big guy. Aaron Rodgers is going to utilize him. But we have to, I can, I'm not going to sit here and say that he's going to have a better year in Green Bay by two tight end spots better when he had 10 touchdowns last year. I, I don't see it. I think that people need to come back down to earth with Jimmy Graham and just kind of admit that he's not what he used to be, and it's sad. <sighs> it's a tough one. It's a tough one for me. Last year, I mean, he had he was what tight end six? You said with ten touchdowns. Yeah. He he had a terrible slow start. The first four weeks, he had one touchdown, five catches, and forty yards in the first four weeks, and he finished the year with 450 more yards and nine more touchdowns and 52 more catches. So he just had a slow start, I think, but definitely, I don't know if this is a phrase that just me and my friends use, or if this is like a common phrase, but tight ends go to Green Bay to die. Yep. And there's a reason we say that. Aaron Rodgers throws to the tight end 17% of the time. He averages 34 pass attempts a game, so that means only 5.6 targets are going to the tight end. Unless those are all going to Jimmy Graham in the end zone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unless that's a guarantee. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I think he'll get touchdowns. I definitely, I could see him matching his double digits of last year. I just don't see the yards being there for him. That's not going to equate to a tight end four if you're just getting touchdowns and not at least 600, 700 yards. Where I think that the top tight end should be at. Yeah, and... And yeah, I agree. Like especially with the 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 yards thing. So like in 2016 with Seattle, he averaged 14 yards per catch, and then he went all the way down to nine last year. Like te- like the teams are realizing that he's not that deep threat, that wide receiver threat anymore. Like he hasn't had a thousand yards since 2013. He hasn't had 80 receptions since 2014. You know, so uh, like last year, 57 receptions, 520 yards, like those 10 touchdowns saved him. Yeah. I mean, if there's any if there's any upside to look at here on Jimmy Graham is that last year, the Seattle Seahawks had an awful O-line and they were expecting Jimmy Graham to do some blocking, which Jimmy Graham is not a blocker. 
Over in Green Bay, yes, the targets aren't necessarily there for tight ends, but they just signed um, Mercedes Lewis, who Pro Football Focus has him as the best blocking tight end in the league, which I think will um, just basically designate Jimmy Graham as a receiving tight end. He'll be the Evan Ingram over in Green Bay. He's just out there to catch balls and not do any type of blocking, which I do think will help him, but I still don't think that that's going to result in his value. Hmm. Yeah, see, for me, Evan Ingram is a way more talented tight end. Like that—that's just for me. I like—I see what you're saying. He like, only catches 55% of the balls. Uh, He's—he's <laughs> he's young, and that will improve. I'm talking like skill-wise. Like he, you know, it's just Jimmy Graham. Just he's—he's he's an old man, and it's showing, and it's sad. And I wish that it wasn't. And because tight ends are hard to come by, I would love if we had like 10 great tight ends in the league. But unfortunately, I just see his potential capped and i think you know another year older he's just gonna have you know like like i said even if he's got more receptions and yards like even if he's got that i don't see the touchdowns and i feel like a lot of people are the opposite they see the touchdowns and not the receptions and yards i mean i'm most i'm projecting he will not have the receptions and yards i'm just saying that even if he does have an increase in both of those i just see the touchdowns going down and if he got 10 touchdowns and was the tight end six last year don't see it aaron Rodgers averages 35 touchdowns a year where are they going to he gets 30 plus touchdowns okay if adams keeps up his streak of 11 a year that leaves 19 touchdowns to go somewhere it's geronimo allison randall cobb maybe a few to the running back no i i do not think that jimmy graham's touchdowns go away i think he's okay. i think he's good for i think floor is six but for me, his ceiling is like eight. Like I'm, I do not see ten. Like, I mean, I guess it's not fair to say his ceiling, right? Obviously, his ceiling is like fifteen. But like, yeah. But like, for me, it's like I see him around six or seven. So like, I think Randall Cobb gets like five. I like Randall Cobb, but I think that Randall Cobb can get between like six and ten. I think Geronimo Allison catches about like four or five. The running backs, like the Ty Montgomery is going to catch a few, like four or five. Like, uh, I think that it's going to be like a little bit more spread around as opposed to just, you know, just targeting Jimmy Graham. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, I just see Jimmy Graham staying a huge uh, red zone threat. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's no mistake that he'll be used like that. It's just, I, I don't think it's going to be enough to give you to give you tight end for fantasy production. And I don't want to be the sucker who drafts into that. I, I want to Yeah. I, I wouldn't let mind sharing up my two, two running backs and three wide receivers by that point. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I'm just, I'm just going to a different position. And if he's still there, I'm just ignoring that he's on the board. Yeah. Dep- it really depends when he's there. Yeah. At his ADP. We're saying at his ADP. Yeah. All right, everybody, that's it for today. Thank you for tuning in. Next week, we're going to be doing uh, drafting strategy and mock drafting. We're going to be challenging ourselves to uh, make the best team using different drafting strategies through a mock draft so that you can get a good idea of based on where you're drafting, what kind of strategy you want to use going into drafting season because we are only a few weeks away from the start of the season. 
Remember, as always, give us a follow on Twitter at flag underscore challenge. You can go right to our Podbean at thechallengeflagofficial.podbean.com. You could also just go right to iTunes or on YouTube. You could just search the challenge flag on both of those. But Mike, before we send them off, give us your bold prediction. Bold prediction. My bold prediction for tight end, my doppelganger, Kyle Rudolph, a.k.a. Big Country. This man went to Notre Dame. That means he's a Catholic boy. He's got God on his side. He's got a new QB in town, ooh-wee, Captain Kirk Cousins. Last year, Vikings tight ends only saw 18.6% of team's targets. Kirk Cousins, last three seasons, he's throwing to tight ends 24% of the time, 25% of the time, and 25% of the time. So basically, one in every four passes, Kirky K throws, it goes to a tight end. What is there not to love about that for Kyle Rudolph moving forward? Rudolph being that clear-cut tight end one, as I can't even name another tight end who's on the team, he will be seeing a majority of those tight end targets. He finished eighth last year, but he'll be shooting way up to the top five tight end territory, which, as I stated earlier, is basically a necessity to win your league's championship.